Welcome to the Weekly Words of Worship podcast. My name is Daniel Innocent. I'm a youth pastor with the Ontario Seventh-day Adventist Conference. And currently, I'm enrolled in Andrews University where I'm getting my master's degree in divinity. I invite you to join me in reading, studying, and meditating on God's word. This study is not prepared beforehand, which allows you to be a participant in the studying process. This will teach you how to study the Bible for yourself, which is the greatest gift that I can give you. Once we begin a book, we read it to the very end. No skipping verses, no reading out of context. Now, sit back in a prayerful state and let's enjoy the day's reading together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for yet another day, another day, Lord, that you've woken us up, another day, Lord, that um, we have to be able to be in the land of the living. We know, Lord, that you said tomorrow is not promised, and so if we hear you calling us today, that we should choose you today. And anyways, Lord, as um, we come to open up your word and to read We ask, Lord, simply that you would be our teacher, that you would guide us through the reading of it, and that you would help us in the understanding of it. You promised that the Holy Spirit would lead us into all truth, and we look forward to being part of that process. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Welcome back, friends and family. Welcome back. I invite you to open up your Bibles with me. As we turn to John chapter 2, I almost said John chapter 1, mercy. We've made it to John chapter 2. We're reading about the story of Cana, okay, Jesus' first miracle. So we might as well just start back at verse 1. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Okay, we spoke spoke a bit about this yesterday, about coming to Jesus even with the little things, right? So they run out of wine, and the mother of Jesus says to Jesus that they have no wine. She brings the issue to Jesus, regardless of how small or big it is, she brings the issue to Jesus. This is a... Uh, this is a big issue for sentimental reasons, but it's not a big issue. You get me? This is like, uh, you know, for the bride and for the groom, this may be a big deal, but is the world going to stop? Is anybody going to be hurt? Is You see what I'm saying? This is not an emergency, right? But regardless, she brought the uh, issue to Jesus. Verse 4, Jesus said to her, woman, What does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Okay. One of the really interesting things is, especially growing up, I used to look at the way that Jesus spoke to his mom, and I used to say, hmm, this this doesn't sound very affectionate, right? (laughs) I said, "Where's where's the tenderness, Jesus? You're speaking to your mom, right? And it wasn't until I went to university that um, one of my professors informed me that back then, 
um, saying woman was like a term of endearment or affection, right? Is like woman, you know what I mean? Even though I know I try to say that in the most, you know, appeasing way possible. <laughs> but uh, that's the cool thing with language, right? Language changes over time, you know, the significance and the you know, things that are rude compared to the things that are polite, depending on where you are, it changes, right? Like, for instance, I remember I was asked to preach at a Ghanaian church once. And uh, someone had to tell me, make sure I never hand anybody anything with my left hand because it's seen as a, as a major sign of disrespect, right? And, um, you know, I had to keep that in mind. And especially working as a missionary worker, it's which I did uh, for a few times, it's very important to understand the culture of the people because our cultures are different. Some things are offensive in one culture and another culture, they're not offensive and, and so on and so forth. So as much as his tone sounds very uh, harsh, just understand that at that time, you know, addressing addressing her as woman would have been a sign of respect. And um, if you want to quote somebody on that, quote my professor, okay? <laughs> but anyways, Jesus says, what does your concern have to do with me, right? <laughs> That's a real question, you know? Um, like, you know, what? The wine? What? Right? Like, so let's think about it like this, right? Let's think about this more conversationally. Mary comes to Jesus. She tells him that they've run out of wine. And Jesus is looking at her like, you know, okay, right? But at the same time, this is his mom who came to him right? So in a way, he's, in a way, it's kind of like one of those things where it's like, ah, why are you bothering me with this kind of stuff, right? Is, is the, is at least the feeling that I get, right? But um, he says, what does your concern have to do with me? But then he says something that is going to be thematic, that is very important for us to remember, he says, my hour has not yet come. You're going to see Jesus say this often. My hour has not yet come. And this is going to be the explanation for Jesus's, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? For his hesitancy to, to do this miracle, okay? Because of his hour having not yet come. Whenever you see Jesus say, my hour has not yet come, the hour that he's talking about is he's talking about his crucifixion, okay? And when he says, my hour has not yet come, he's saying my crucifixion has not yet come. In other words, what he's saying to her is, uh, you know, it's not time for me to die yet. Very interesting. And you might be asking yourself, well, what is Jesus doing a miracle with wine have anything to do with him dying? And this is the thing to keep in mind. Jesus's mission is to come and to die, right? The Bible says in Ecclesiastes not to be overly wise or overly righteous, 
Why should you die before your time? Let me make sure I got that right. Let's look at this. Do not be overly wise. Overly righteous. Let's see. Where is that? Ecclesiastes 7 verse 16. Yes, yes, yes. You'll see that I do have to look up verses from time to time. I know. I'm trying to have it all memorized. Okay. We all have our work to do. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, let's look at it. Uh, yes. So verse 16, do not be overly righteous, nor be overly wise. Why should you destroy yourself? Why should you destroy yourself? And it's interesting because I, I remember when I first read that verse, I almost closed my Bible. I remember when I first read that verse, I said to myself, how could the Bible say not to be overly righteous? Isn't that the whole point? Don't we want to be righteous? But when it's saying not to be overly righteous, why should you destroy yourself? It's giving us a true principle about human beings. If you're too, 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 too righteous, they will kill you. That's a very interesting thought. If you're too much of a revolutionary, they will kill you. You know being righteous is being revolutionary? <laughs> Have mercy. Have mercy. Because of the things that you abstain from, because of the things that you won't do, because of the things that you will do. Right. And so anyways, when Jesus is saying, my hour has not yet come. It's about this concept of being overly righteous. It's because of Jesus's miracles and the works that he performed that the Pharisees are going to want to kill him. And don't ever forget that. And it's going to make everything make sense because when Jesus does miracles for people and he tells them to keep it secret, it, he, he'll always say that it's because his hour has not yet come because he doesn't want for himself to mess up the mission by being stoned or being killed in any other way other than the crucifixion. And these Pharisees were so jealous of Jesus that seeing him do these things that they couldn't do made them just want to get rid of him. They were envious of him. They wanted to kill him. They hated his influence. All the people who used to follow them are now following him. All the people who respected them are, are going to start um, respecting him. And so when he's saying this to his mom, he's saying to her, that um, in a way he's saying, you're going to get me killed before my time. Mercy. Right? Because he still has this mission, right? And this mission is a big mission because it's this mission. He has you in mind. He has me in mind. Mary's not thinking about that. Mary's not thinking about generations and generations and generations of human beings who depend on Jesus to fulfill and complete this mission without ever sinning. And we're depending on Jesus to, to fulfill it and to complete it or else we're all lost. We are all lost if Jesus fails this mission. We are all lost. 
No one is going to heaven if Jesus fails this mission. If Jesus fails this mission, we would have no hope. And a part of failing this position, um, or a part of, of, of failing his, his mission would be dying in another way than how he is supposed to die. It's a very interesting concept because remember, Jesus is supposed to be acting as the Lamb of God. Why a lamb? Because remember, the Jews used to sacrifice lambs. They used to sacrifice animals, clean animals, and asking for repentance from God. We don't sacrifice animals anymore because Jesus is considered the Lamb of God. He's considered the sacrifice that God brought to the altar. Have mercy. You see how you and uh, I would have had to bring sacrifices to the altar back in the day, but Jesus is the one who God brought to the altar, who we killed. We put our hands on the head of the lamb and we are the ones who are responsible for killing him. We are the ones. If you've ever sinned, you are the one who is responsible. I am the one who is responsible. Which is part of what we do when we take communion, when we eat the emblems, we eat the, the or consume the emblems, I should say. We eat the bread symbolizing his body in acknowledgement of the fact that his body was punished for me, that he was persecuted for me, and that I persecuted him, and I accept him and his body as being the replacement for my body. And when we drink the blood, when we drink the wine, it's a symbol of his blood that was shed for me, that was shed for you. And it's a symbol of the fact that you are the one who shed his blood. And it's a symbol of the fact that you're accepting his blood being shed as opposed to your blood being shed. So he's telling his mother, my hour has not yet come. This is not yet the time for me to die. But look at Jesus's heart, even though he knows that he can't waste his miracles on little things because every miracle that he does is going to speed up his crucifixion. He has to be very careful. But because his mother brings her request to Jesus, Jesus in his heart is moved by the simple fact that his mother has come to him. Do you understand the power that you have in prayer? Have mercy. The things that God would do for you if only you would go to him. The things that God would fulfill for you if only you would pray to him. The things that God would reveal to you if only you would seek him. It's no wonder the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. So he tells her, my hour has not yet come. Right? And look at what his mother said to the servants. Verse 5. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. <laughs> she knows Jesus. She knows Jesus is going to do it. 
even though Jesus is saying this, he's reminding her mom, like, come on now. You know I'm here to fulfill a mission and you're and you're asking me about, about the wine at the wedding. Come on now, right? <laughs> it's like, mom, I'm here to save the whole earth, the whole world from Adam and Eve all the way to this 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 uh this this guy who's going to be preaching on podcasts and stuff all the way to you and to everybody else who's around the world right he's like mom come on now but look at this after he says my hour has not come and he says woman what does your concern have to do with me she doesn't mind him. She just goes and tells the servants, listen, whatever he says for you to do, do it. Because she knows that Jesus is going to do it. She knows Jesus's heart. She understands the way that Jesus is. And the Bible says that he's the same today. Have mercy as he was yesterday. Have mercy and as he will be tomorrow that he does not change. And so the same way that he was with his mother is the same way that he is today. Keep that in mind. This is the heart of God. So she tells the servants to do whatever Jesus says. Verse 6. Now there were set there six water pots, water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Okay. These are some big water pots, okay? Um, 20 or 30 gallons a piece. These are huge. So now hold on now. Let's think about this for a second. Let's think about this for a second. You're telling me that they already drank through six water pots? <laughs> Mercy. Have mercy. Hold on now. Yeah, they ran out of wine. Okay, six water pots of stone. Now, mind you, if these are water pots, then maybe the pots. Okay, so if it's water pots, <clears throat> it's not that the. At least this is what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that. The water pots were not filled with wine before, but this is what they're going to be filled with now, right? So it's not like they were using the water pots for the wine before. They're water pots. They're not wine pots, right? Uh, usually Jews would use wine skins. I'm not sure in this kind of setting with this amount of people if they had a different type of vessel that they would carry the wine in. You know, that's a... Uh, that's something that we'd have to look up some archaeological uh, documents to see uh, what kind of vessels they would use back then. But either way, uh, these are water pots, right? So these are pots that are probably just meant for water. Now, remember, back then, there was no running water in homes, right? And I know sometimes that's like, uh, it should go without saying, but it's hard for us to remember sometimes that these were completely different days. Right. You had to have water pots to go, uh, you know, collect your water and bring it home. They probably put it on the wagon with the ox and, 
you know, now you have some water at home. So having pots to be able to transport water back then was very important, right? Because it's the pots that would take the water from the well and bring it to your home, right? So anyways, uh, Jesus tells him to take the six, or sorry, there are six water pots there. And it says, according to the manner of purification of the Jews. And I have a reference here to Mark 7. Let's see what Mark 7 says. Mark 7. Now, mind you, I'm inviting you to join me as I study the Bible, okay? So if we bump into some dead ends here and there, that's just a part of what happens as you study, right? You're, you're coming along for the process. Um, let's see. Okay, so this shows, where is this supposed to be? Okay, six, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, that's verse six, Mark chapter seven, verse three, is supposed to be where it's showing us something similar. It says, for the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands in a special way, holding the tradition of the elders. Okay, so. I don't see how those two things are completely, um, oh, maybe these were pots that were meant for washing hands according to the manner of purification, purification. Ah, so maybe these were the pots that were used for washing hands. Interesting. So that's what Mark is talking about. And that's where um, you'll see in your Bibles, uh, depending on how expensive your Bible is, you might see little letters that are beside words like small, lowercase a's, lowercase b's, or lowercase c's. Some of you might have numbers that aren't like the verse number that are just inserted at random points in the Bible. If you have a reference column, um, those are pretty much footnotes. Uh, so a lot of Bibles have footnotes that will refer you to other verses that speak about similar things, right? Or that touch on that same subject, right? And um, it's a way for you to be able to cross-reference the story with other stories um, in the Bible. Now, especially reading through the Gospels, um, and the Gospels, again, are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, many times these references are going to point you to... Um, one of the other gospels rendition of the same story right so it's a it's a very useful tool to use as you study the bible is to know what those uh, markers are in your bible and to know how to follow them because it's going to help you to do the cross-referencing right there and there right then and there for you it's going to help you to do that so anyways uh they said that there was uh, six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water and they filled them up to the brim. Okay. So they had to fill up these water pots with water. I'm sure it took them a while. I'm sure this was not easy to do. Um, and they didn't see why they were doing it. So think about this. It would have taken a long time to do. It was not an easy task to do. And they did not understand why they were doing it. But Jesus told them to do it. And so they did it. Remember, Mary told them that whatever Jesus tells you to do, do it. Right. So now 
she's letting them know that Jesus is going in a way, she's preparing them for how to be ready for the miracle, okay? And this is what we need to understand as well. If you're expecting God to do a miracle in your life, okay, this is very important for you to take in. Look at what happens. She tells him, if you want Jesus to do the miracle, do whatever he tells you to do. How interesting is that? Now that sounds so simple, but what about when it's not so simple, right? <laughs> huh? God is saying, follow what he is saying for you to do. Now, for many of us, this is going to require for us to do a lot more Bible reading. And the book that I encourage you to read, if you need advice, right, especially if you just need advice for your day-to-day -day life, read the book of Proverbs. Because in reading the book of Proverbs, Proverbs is literally just a book of advice. It's just biblical advice is what Proverbs is, right? So if you're needing some biblical advice, read through the Proverbs. Get to know the Proverbs, and you'll see so many little trinkets of advice there. But anyways, so... Mary tells the servants to do whatever Jesus tells them to do. And Jesus tells them to do something strange. He tells them to fill up the pots with water. And I'm sure they're saying to themselves, well, how is this going to help us to get wine? What does filling these with water have anything to do with us getting wine, right? And this is before they had the, uh, this is before they had those, uh, Man, what do you call? Oh, Minute Maid, Minute Maid. Ah, yes, Minute Maid and McCain. You know those frozen, those frozen things of uh, of juice that you mix with the water, right? They didn't have those back then, <laughs> right? They didn't have those. So they filled the water pots to the brim, as Jesus said, and he said to them, "Draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast." And they took it. Okay, so they drew out the water and they took it to the master of the feast. The Bible doesn't even say that the water had been transformed as of yet. So imagine the amount of faith it would require for you to, first of all, go get the water. Now you see the water is there. Now you take the water and you put water into a glass and you go to bring the water that's in the glass to the master of the feast. This is a, a quick and easy way to get yourself slapped. How is this solving the problem, right? How is this solving the, 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 the wine problem? If anything, the servants are thinking to themselves that this might get them in trouble, but it's going to require faith. Listen to me. The number one thing God wants to see in you is he wants to see that you have faith. The Bible says that it's impossible to please him without faith. It is impossible to please God without faith. If you want God to do something in your life, then you must believe in him. You must put your faith in him. You must put your trust in him. Even when it looks like it's not going to bear anything, you have to keep moving forward and believe by faith that the thing that he promised will be performed. So they take the glass. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, have mercy, 
<laughs> yes. Do you know that Jesus can ah have mercy? You know, I'm gonna have to we're gonna have to stop here because we only have two minutes left. So we'll have to continue this. We'll have to continue this story tomorrow. Okay. If I was preaching a sermon, I'd be able to take as much time as I want. But for the podcast, I'm only, I'm only able to do this in 30-minute segments, right? So um, today, our message is to have faith. Our message is to believe. Our message is to move forward when God says to move forward, even if it doesn't seem like it's going to work. To believe, to trust, and to obey to understand and to know what advice the Bible is giving us and to move in that advice and to believe that even with small requests, whatever it may be, when we bring our petitions to the Lord, that he will and he can answer. Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the time that we were able to spend with one another once again. It always feels like the time is cut too short, Lord, but... Um, it's great to hear these messages of encouragement from you. Lord, we look forward to um, hearing more and understanding more and delving deeper into your word. Lord, I ask for forgiveness for all the times, Lord, that we've not shown the faith that we were supposed to show. And especially me, Lord, um, you know how how bad, especially, um, you know, in the... Uh, past two years have been, Lord, how many times I've I've allowed my faith to 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 be greatly greatly hurt. And Lord, I thank you just for bearing with me and for being with me in my time of uh, of weakness, where my faith was greatly shaken and for those of us whose faith might be greatly shaken dear heavenly father i commit them up to you and i claim your promise that you've given to each a measure of faith and we know lord that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of god and so every time that we hear your word we have an opportunity now to exercise faith again because you've given us something else to believe in so help us lord to believe we thank you and we magnify your name, Lord, because you're worthy to be praised. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you, everyone. I will see you tomorrow, God willing. Take care.